You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. Hey, it's JJ. Just a quick note before the podcast begins. Something happened with my audio when we recorded this Thursday night. Don't know what went wrong with it because I recorded a different podcast Friday morning and my audio was fine. So I, I have no explanation for what the heck happened with my audio. It's going to sound a little bit like I'm talking to you through a tin can. I apologize for that. Fortunately, Gil sounds crystal clear. So the sound of my voice right now, this is what I usually sound like on the pod if this is your first time tuning in. So I apologize for the sound quality. We'll, we'll try and get back to uh, professional quality for you next week. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. And with Green Bay football, there are Super Bowl aspirations. This is the goal got a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster. He is only, he's publicly saying that he's only committing for one year and then they'll revisit after that. That This is what Aaron Rodgers said earlier this week. We knew this already from uh, Mark Murphy, but now we heard it from Aaron Rodgers as well. If they, if they're going to make the the Super Bowl this year, it matters because you, you only have one more guaranteed swing at it with Rodgers. You don't know if he's going to be back next year. We did an episode, Gil, a year ago talking about what we felt the Packers needed to do to win a Super Bowl last season, did we not? We did. I, You and I revisited that episode and, and listened to it this week because we were curious how many of the items that we said were necessities did we end up hitting? Were they the make-or-break uh, difference makers in the Packers not winning a Super Bowl this past season? Let's revisit that because I, I think it's interesting. Uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to do that again today. Mm-hmm. But last last year, we had seven key items that we felt were really important for the Packers to win a Super Bowl. Not make it to the Super Bowl, but win it. And obviously, they didn't even make it. But if you recall a year ago, we were in the throes of the uh, will Aaron Rodgers be back drama. Yeah, oh, remember that only too well. It's funny because he's like so super pro Packers front office Right now, you know, you, you get little tidbits where you're hearing about Devontae Adams and and Rodgers is like defending the front office and their handling of it and and saying, you know, love Tay, wish him the best. I get it. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're doing our thing here and I really am super proud of Goody and all that. And just the the complete 180 from where we were a year ago is kind of staggering. It, it is pretty mind blowing when you think about how it's like 180 degrees from where he was a year ago. But look, uh, as a Packer fan, as someone who covers this team and follows this team, I'd rather have it this way than the way it was a year ago. So that was the top of our mind a year ago. Naturally, it was the top of our list as well. Number one, we both agreed, Aaron Rodgers needs to be back under center if the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. He did come back. Mm-hmm. All right, number two, the Packers can't run into a team they can't beat or have an aspect of their game they can't overcome. So that was my answer and your answer. I said they can't run into a team they can't beat, and I was thinking of the 49ers in 2019, the Buccaneers in 2020, how we ran into them in the regular season, got our butts kicked, and then, you know, it was just just, just felt like an inevitable slide toward the playoffs. We were just hoping somebody else was going to take that team out before we got to them. And then that, that was kind of how I worded that point. And you said, well, they also – They just can't have an aspect of their game that they can't overcome. And what you were referring to was in 2019, the Packers' inability to stop the run. Mm -hmm. And I I think I, I would say that this actually was accomplished because we beat the Niners in the regular season. It was a refreshing change of pace, not to be beaten by the Niners in the playoffs for the billionth year in a row, but to have whooped them in the regular season 
and not just, you know, have this looming, like if we had lost to the saints in the regular season, that would have felt much more in line with, with how things had gone the past few years. Yeah. But you, you know, the, the one thing we mentioned, the two aspects of this, the, the thing that they can't do, I think special teams kind of qualified as that one aspect of their game that was impossible to overcome. And I think inevitably that was their undoing. Yeah. The the next two points that we had on here, one was uh, I I had kind of, um, well, I guess guess the the next point on the list really was that special teams can't hamstring the team is is how I had worded that. Well, it did. <laughs> it really did. And, and no question, that was why we didn't make it. Right. But there, there is an interesting thing. There was a, an interesting side conversation that we got stuck in, in between those two points on the pod, which was, and, and you were the one who brought this up. You said that they needed to improve their run defense to at least league average. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing was their run defense for most of the year really was, was pretty spot on this past season. Um, you had really, there was one game, uh, Nick Chubb uh, on Christmas day. That was pretty painful to watch, but also, you know, it was Nick Chubb. When, when you're watching one of the very best running backs in football manhandle you, you don't feel as bad as you did in 2019 when it was no name schmucks carving you up, you know, and, <laughs> and like, I'm not trying to insult uh, Raheem Mostert or Austin Eckler, like they're good backs, but there's clearly separation between like Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara. Okay. Those guys. And Dalvin then Cook. other, other just good running backs. Yeah. Dalvin cook. Um, and, and the rest of the year, the defense felt like a strength for most of the season. That was certainly a positive, but then yeah, special teams was our, our point number four. And that really was what crushed the team. Now, Interestingly, the number five item on the list is maybe also really important. I said the star players can't disappear in the big games. Mm -hmm. And I think to an extent, we didn't get to see that tested so much because so much of our star talent was sitting on the bench injured (laughs) for a lot of the season. And, but the guys who were out there, it felt like your best players were your best players, and that was really key. You didn't have games where you're like, what the heck is Devontae even doing out there? He's doesn't even look like himself. Which well, you had you had I'm just saying so take the uh twenty twenty one NFC championship game. So this is against the Buccaneers, and Preston and Zadarius had one pressure between the two of them. Kenny Clark had an additional pressure. Dean Lowry, I think, had a sack. And there were no other pressures on Tom Brady the whole game. And then you had, you know, the the running backs weren't playing well. Uh, Aaron Jones was fumbling the ball in that game, not looking like the polished uh, premium running back that he is. Um, You know, you think back a, a year prior to that, against the 49ers, David Bakhtiari recorded the worst game of his entire career against the 49ers. You can't have that happening in the NFC Championship game. Well, here's here's my question. And and I think when I think about it, you look at that playoff game, you had an uncharacteristic fumble by Mercedes Lewis. Yep. But more importantly, you talk about your best players. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers really was playing at an Aaron Rodgers level in mm. that game. And I think he may have let us down. I'm not not to single him out alone, but you talked about the the best players having to be your best players, so to speak. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was close to what he's capable of in that playoff game. You bring up uh, something that I want to talk about. I'm going to skip down to point number seven to talk about this, which was the Packers needed to get lucky with injuries. They needed to stay healthy, and especially. I said the offensive line needs to stay strong with a lot of options at their disposal. Yeah. And and no question that even by midway through the season, that's not the shape that they were in. And you were putting out, I, I would say you probably were down to the um, 
I don't want this to come off insulting, but you probably were down to the worst group of offensive linemen, the worst five-man combination that you had to work with all season came in that uh, playoff game against the Niners. I'm not sure there was another week where we had a a lesser group of uh, linemen out there. And, and part of that, which we've discussed on the show before, is because – of the way they set the lineup. I, I think they sort of outthought themselves, the coaching staff, when determining the starting lineup for that playoff game. Here's the final thing. This was point number six. The pass rush needs to return to 2019 form. The 2020 pass rush struggled a lot. Zadarius was not playing at the same level he had been. And Preston regressed to like abysmal quality in 2020. For 2021, we had Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith both turned in top 10 performances of all time in the PFF era, uh, PFF pass rushing grades. Uh, Preston and Zedarius, they, they, were, they were both, uh, if you look at the, the top 10 best pass rushing performances by PFF that has ever occurred in a Packers uniform, 2021, Rashawn Gary, 2021, Preston Smith, both in the top 10. I think uh, it was like number five and six or number five and seven overall. Uh, even without Zadarius and even, um, you, you know, that he wasn't there the whole season. They did have Whitney Merciless, who was really good. But you had good enough pass rush for that for the season. It was better than he had in 2020. Uh, it was It was good enough that you felt like, we can win a Super Bowl with this pass rushing duo last year. So that that was something that did come come to fruition. Looking at this list, we had seven items. I would say so. Aaron Rodgers is back. That's one. Mm-hmm. Packers can't run into a team they can't beat. That's two. Uh, get run defense to at least average. That's three. Okay, special teams star players can't disappear. So those are two negatives. So we are at three and two. Pass rush needs to return to 2019 form. Uh, that's a win. Get lucky and stay healthy on uh, with with injuries and especially the offensive line. That's a miss. So we were four and three in terms of what we said needed to happen. Right. And turns out you can't go four and three on our list of of seven essentials and still win the Super Bowl. No. Well, you know, you needed probably at least five and two. I would say as sort of the minimum. Yeah. Uh, to get it done, and and we weren't able to overcome those three. And and I think part of it is also the degree. I mean, you look at special teams, we were ranked 32nd, according to most experts, on special teams, and that's only because there were only 32 teams. If if we could be lower, we would have been lower. It was, it was a dreadful year for special teams. The offensive line... They, they, they should have added in like a CFL team or two in there. Just, yeah. Just to... <laughs> Put into context how bad the Packers special teams were. I think Alabama and Georgia had better special teams than the Packers did last year. But <laughs> all, all things considered, sometimes it's the degree. And I think, again, throughout most of the season, the offensive line held up. And then you got to the playoff game and they changed the lineup a little bit. And, and I think that worked to the team's detriment. And, uh, again, the pressure that Rodgers was under, you know, I, I mentioned earlier he did not have a great game. Part of the reason for that was the pressure he was under constantly throughout that game against San Francisco. Now, I'm not going to go through the list, but um, if you're curious, we had also done a similar uh, thing for the 2020 season. And the list was kind of similar in, in a, at least you had some of the same categories. You had an Aaron Rodgers category that he needed to get with LaFleur's offense, which did happen. Um, there was a, a run stopping element. I said they needed to sign a big run stopping defensive tackle. Uh, they didn't do that, but now we have a pretty strong defensive tackle group that you feel good about. Uh, I had a pass rushing category saying that Zadarius can't regress and Rashawn needs to emerge as a complimentary piece. So they're a top edge rushing duo. Um, and uh, in, in 2020, the, uh, Pass rush was an issue, so that was one of those things that didn't really come to fruition. And then, of course, there you go. Special teams needs to improve. Now, I said at the time, I said Irvin needs to be the primary returner, and Menenga needs to shape up or ship out. Well, Menenga stuck around for one more season, um, and uh, and then 
he was the problem to get shipped off for the 2021 season. Still didn't get any better. Irvin, of course, no longer with the team. And we still don't have a rock-solid primary returner uh, at this point in time. So um, it's just interesting to see issues. I, I like going back and recording what our thoughts are so you can make comparisons in years to come and, and see whether the stuff you were concerned about really ends up mattering. And I think a lot of the time it did. Yeah, I I think we did a pretty good job over the last two years of pinpointing the keys that the season was going to turn on. And let's see how we do this year when we uh, give it a go. So we're going to hop into our main topic of the day. But first, a word from our sponsor. Take it away, Gil. All right. Well, before we continue, let me tell you about our new partner, Athletic Greens. We were recently introduced to their new health supplement, AG1. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All these things. And it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens is foundational nutrition for just about everyone. 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in one tasty scoop. So check it out today. All right, Gil, we are going to do a draft. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a new concept, I think, to our listeners because we have not done a draft like this. But I'd like to do some of this kind of stuff in the future. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to draft like concepts. All right. We're going to draft things that have to happen in order for the Packers to win a Super Bowl this year. So, um, for example, a, a year ago, we both felt that the uh, biggest priority was going to be Aaron Rodgers returning. So whoever would have gone first would have drafted. Hi, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers needs to be under center in order for us to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Have a conversation about that. Um, add the uh, context and, and have a Jordan love conversation, yada, yada. And then the second person would come up and say, I, you know, for, for my second pick, I'm going to take, the special teams can't allow a blocked punt that gets returned for a touchdown that gives the 49ers. Okay. We don't know that specifically, but we, we would have, we would have said that, you know, whatever we felt was the, uh, the second bit, uh, most important reason. Part of what makes it fun to do it as a draft like this. Um, Cause we're, we're only limiting it to, what do we say? Eight. We're going to do eight, eight things, Gil. I think so. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to draft eight things that have to happen. And so, and, and we both have more than eight, or we, we both have uh, more than four items on our list. Some of the items are going to match up. Some of them aren't. Um, but as we're going through this, uh, we're going to take stuff from each other. I'm going to take one that you desperately wanted to have. You're going to take one that I wanted. And whoever takes it gets to kind of define what that looks like. And so let's say that uh, we have a thing in here where uh, I say, like, um, Mason Crosby needs to win MVP. And you may not agree with that, but then you can't come on and say, well, I think that um, that uh, the, the kicking has to be adequate. Because I already take right. it. All right. Uh, I have a uh, flip a coin website right here, because I forgot to grab an actual coin for this, but I Googled a <laughs> flip a coin website. So, Gil, heads or tails? Tails, please. And flip... It is, it is tails. So you get to go first. Uh, you have the first pick in our draft. 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a straightforward foundational one. Aaron Rodgers must continue to play at a high level. Interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Um, so I, I think we both would agree. He does not need to win MVP, but do you no. How much of a step back do you think he could take and still win a Super Bowl? Uh, you know, look, we have seen, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, John Elway, you know, great quarterbacks who were no longer in their prime lead a team to a Super Bowl win. But at the same time, uh, you know, he's going to be 39 before this season is over. And father time is undefeated. And I'm not saying he's going to fall off significantly this year. But if he does, even with the strong defense and the solid running game, that's a big blow to winning a Super Bowl. Because in order to win a Super Bowl without a great quarterback, your defense has to be better than just good. It has to be great or or, or elite uh, and your running game has to be, you know, you, you think back you to your Terrell Davis and what he did when Elway won that Super Bowl, unfortunately, against the Packers in 1997. Uh, so to me, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers has to be playing at an MVP level, but he can't turn into the, you know, uh, the next, uh, you know, Randy Wright, so to speak. Uh, he, he can't all of a sudden be average. He's got to be at least solidly good to very good uh, and still remain playing at, at, at a high level at quarterback. Okay. So let's start and put this into, into perspective of ex- like what we think the threshold of how good he has to be is. There's no question that he has worse weapons around him this year. And so that's going to be mm-hmm. a factor. Uh, but one nice thing is that PFF grades are not taking into account of the other players around you. You don't get a boost because you're, um, throwing a bad pass to a really good receiver. PFF is going to give you a good grade if you have a good pass and a bad grade if you have a bad pass. Last year, he graded out as the fifth best quarterback in football. Obviously, he won the MVP. Do you think he could be outside of the top 10 and still win a Super Bowl? Yeah, but not too far outside of it. I, I think he needs to be, let's say, in the top 12 or 13 uh, you know, which would put him what in the top third of the league. I, I, I think he at least needs to be around 12, 10, 11, 12 to, uh, you know, to get this team to a Super Bowl. Because, and, and maybe I'll even specify it a little bit more uh, the, the turnovers, the, the ability to avoid turnovers has to continue. If Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. is turning the ball over because he doesn't trust his receivers, or can't find an open receiver, whether it's pick, you know, interceptions or fumbles because he's holding the ball too long. If he starts turning the ball over, that to me is one of the things that makes him so good that other teams don't end up with that short field very often when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. And if that no longer is the case, that takes away one of the big reasons that the Packers have won 13 games three years in a row. Put a number on the uh, interceptions. How many interceptions can he, could, do you think he could have uh, this uh, year? Because he's over, over the last year, he last few years, he's not cracking like five or more interceptions, I don't think. Well, uh, let's see. If I'm looking at his numbers in recent years... He had four uh, last year, five in 2020, four right. in 2019, two in 2018. 2018. Uh, I, I would still, I would say this, let's keep it in single digits, which he hasn't had double digits since, ooh, 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Did anything interesting happen in that season? Nah, nothing I can recall. <laughs> okay, so um, so I'm, I'm going to put this in. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still needs to be great. Top 13 via PFF, no more than nine interceptions. So for perspective, here are the, you said like uh, 10, 11, 12 range. So right. I think he's up to 13. I'll tell you who these quarterbacks are. All right. I'm, I'm going to start at, um, uh, okay. Well, I'm just going to list everybody who's after Aaron Rodgers because it's interesting. Six is Kirk Cousins. That high. I think I said, I think I said Kurt. I think, I, but, but Kirk, obviously his yeah. name is Kirk. 
Yeah. Uh, seven is Matthew Stafford. Who won the eight, Super Bowl. Eight is Ryan Tannehill. Stafford was – yeah, <laughs> he did win a Super Bowl. I don't know if you would say he was the reason they won the Super Bowl. That, that defense was pretty good. Uh, eight was Ryan Tannehill. Nine was Kyler Murray. Ten was Dak Prescott. So here, here's a question for you. Do you think that Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott could have won the Super Bowl last year? With the right team around them? I don't know about Murray just because of the way he sort of struggled in the second half of the season. I think Prescott could have with the right team around him. And I think Murray could with the right team around him also. Although, again, um, he wouldn't necessarily carry the team. The team may be able to carry him. All right. At 11, you have a two-way tie. Mac Jones, who had a better passing grade, and Patrick Mahomes, who had a better rushing grade. I think, I think a lot of people are, are not aware of how much Patrick Mahomes has struggled the last couple of years in comparison to how good he was prior to that. Right. Um, I think a lot of people really are not aware of that. And then, so that, that's your uh, tied for 11th. So the next guy at 13 was Derek Carr. Could Derek Carr have won the Super Bowl last year? Not with the team he had. No, but we're just talking about quarterback. Yeah, we're talking I think, about if, I if think Aaron Rodgers had that season. I, I think he could. Would it be very likely? No, but I think he was capable of it, yes. I think 13 is an interesting cutoff because right outside of that, it drops off steeply. Number 14 is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. 15 was Jacoby Brissett. 16, Taysom Hill. So, there, I mean, there's a clear-cut difference between Derek Carr and, and those guys. So, yes. Um, interestingly, Russell Wilson was all the way down at 19 is sandwiched in between Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'm on the clock. So for my first pick, which is the second pick overall, I'm going to take the offensive line needs to be great. And specifically David Bakhtiari has to be on the field this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of reason for concern right now about whether Bakhtiari is going to play. He's not practicing or anything at minicamp, which is not the end of the world. I'm, I'm not saying like that is why you should panic, but I'm just saying it's not great that he's out there. It's not great that when LaFleur is asked about it, he says things like, well, hopefully uh, <laughs> if Bach and Elton can get out there, this offensive line will be good. And I'm going, what do you mean if? What do you mean hopefully? Like, right. you're the head coach. or <laughs> Is Bakhtiari going to play or isn't he going to play? Uh, it looks like the current plan is the week one right tackle starter is going to be Josh Neidman. That is what it looks like for all intents and purposes. Every time Aaron Rodgers is on the field right now, they have Josh at right tackle. I think that there's obviously – a lot can happen between now and week one, and it's, it's totally plausible that a Sean Ryan or Zach Tom wins the job over Yash, but I think right now your right tackle is Yash. And you know what? Right tackle is not as important as left tackle, and, and so this is a probably a workable solution, and Yash did fine for a lot of the year last year. wasn't spectacular, but it was certainly serviceable enough. But you have to have – because I don't think Elton – is as close as we hope he is. I think that, I think that Bakhtiari is closer. My question would be, if you had Elton at left tackle and Yash at right tackle, is that going to win you a Super Bowl? I just don't know. I think that you need to have Bakhtiari out there on the field. And then hopefully at the end of the year, you got Elton out there as well. I had something similar on my list. So I, I, I agree with this one. Uh, I think if you have one of the two with Jenkins and Bakhtiari playing at a Pro Bowl level, you could probably win a Super Bowl. But if you have neither, you're in big trouble. And if you have both, your chances are boosted significantly. What do you think about me drafting the offensive line here at pick number two? Is is this where you would value that? Uh, It actually was my second thing. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm good. Correct. I I worded it slightly differently, but yeah. Okay. So how how would you have worded this one? I I worded it more generally. I said the offensive line stays healthy and gels. So. Mm. uh, All right. Now that actually 
is is a good conversation to have because part of the problem we had last year was it was shuffling around so much you didn't have time for these guys to build chemistry and solidarity with each other. Right. You had a new lineup like every two weeks out there. And that certainly hurt their ability to run block. No question about that. I think that was, it was certainly to their detriment. If you can get some consistency out there, I think that'll be huge. No, no question. And that's why I sort of phrased it that way, that, that there should be. And look, we know that Jenkins is not going to start the season. Well, we don't know, but we're reasonably sure Jenkins is not going to be ready to play in week right. one. But if you can get him in the lineup, let's say before week 10 and give him six, seven games to, you know, gel with his teammates and integrate himself into whatever position he's going to play and get some continuity going. I think that makes a big difference. Uh, Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. The Packers are prohibitive favorites to win the NFC North. So to me, the key is, where are you going to be come playoff time? And if this offensive line gels and is healthy enough come playoff time, that bodes very well uh, for the for the offensive line, for the running game, and obviously tying it back to what I had said at number one, Aaron Rodgers not turning the ball over and playing at a high level. Obviously, if he has more time to throw the football, he's more likely to do that. All right, I think I know where you're going to go. With the third pick, I, but we'll see. I, I was expecting something different for pick number one. Uh, I, I think I know what pick number three is going to be. And I, I will say, if you're going to take what I think you're going to take, I feel better about this being at three than at one. I think I might have fought you. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think you may not. Uh, I may surprise you with where right. I'm going. I like being surprised. Uh, for me, number three is that the – Run defense improves. And yeah, the numbers were a little bit better last year, but the number that concerned me when I'm looking at the run defense is I believe the opponents averaged 4.7 yards per rush against the Packers last year. Mm. And that number is just straight up too high. And, you know, you you, you talked about uh, the Browns game and how, Chubb was just absolutely devastating the Packers. Imagine if the Browns would have just kept running the ball because they didn't. Uh, You you know, the best, the biggest reason why the Packers run defense uh, improved as far as the number of yards allowed, and 4.7 is the number. Uh, The reason that we were 11th in the league in rushing yards allowed is because we were playing with a lead most of the time. And that forced opposing teams to throw the football more often. But if our pass offense is not as good as it was in the last few years without Devante, and and even if you just say for the first half of the season until Rogers gets a little more chemistry with the new receiving core, we're going to need that run defense to be a little better. And I really want to see that 4.7 get closer to 4.2, let's say, okay. or 4.0. Uh, and I think we, the way we drafted the two first-round picks are designed in part to improve this number. Uh, right. The fact that we invested in uh, bringing back Devondre Campbell and drafting both an interior defensive lineman and an off-the-ball linebacker shows that we're trying to address this area. But to me, this area has to get better because it, it, it it's still sort of an Achilles heel for this team. We can't give up 4.7 yards per rush and beat good teams consistently in the playoffs. For, for some uh, perspective, the Packers had a top 10 rushing defense last year. They were 11th in yards, 10th in touchdowns. However, that might be a little bit tied to how ineffective the uh, passing defense was. Uh, where, off the top of your head, where would you guess they rank in passing defense? Uh, <laughs> uh, Yardage-wise, we weren't bad. Um, they, yardage they, were, wise- they were number uh, 21 in yards. 
So twenty one or uh, twenty two. Sorry. So they were they were uh, bottom ten. No, twenty twenty one. That's not the numbers I'm looking at. Uh, oh, hang on, hang on. Top top ten. Sorry. Top ten. Thank you. We were tenth in yards. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, number ten overall in yards. We were tied for third worst with the Lions in touchdowns, though. Yes. Thirty-one touchdowns given up through the air. Uh, Washington was the worst at thirty-four. The Colts had thirty-two. We were tied with the Lions for thirty-one. The Bills only allowed twelve through the air. Yeah, in seventeen games, not bad. So, but uh, the the rushing defense was eleventh uh, in yards, tenth in touchdowns. Or sorry, not tenth in touchdowns, seventh in touchdowns. But average um, yards per rush, average average yards. Yeah, that was not good. That was like uh, bottom four or something. Yeah. Yep, bottom four. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely ground to be made up uh, defensively. I had a similar item to this on mine uh my third overall was the defense needs to take a step forward not backwards right i think that uh the total defense that we had last year is a bit overrated i think it was not as good as we like to remember it being and i think there's a lot of excuses made about why we had that seven game stretch of really terrible defense you know, but it was not the only stretch of terrible defense of the season. We also had a uh, three-game stretch to start the year of terrible defense. So you're actually looking at 10 out of the 17 regular season games. 10 out of the 17, we had a pretty bad defense. Seven of those 17, we had a really good defense. So Plus the playoff game. Plus and the I, playoff game. Also, I, plus the Vikings game that was sandwiched in the middle of that seventh game stretch where we were going up against Sean Mannion right. who completed like two and a half passes. On the I mean, and I think the playoff game is why we remember the defense as being better than it statistically was. That's sort of the lasting impression that fans took away. And, and they were, I mean, look, no matter how you slice it, the defense played well enough in that game to win. They didn't give up a, an offensive touchdown. So uh, your point number three is run defense needs to improve and get closer to 4.0 yards per carry. Correct. Or better. Okay. Um, you know what? You, you've convinced me. I, I did not have this exactly on my list. I was certainly surprised to see this at point number three, but I like it. I, th- I think that, um, you know, had I drafted it, I would have made it a little bit more broad you know, and, and included the pass rush and the certainly the uh, passing defense in there as well. But um, I, I think that this is an important one um, that that really could go a long way. Uh, number pick number four goes to me. And I got a couple options to go with here, but I'm going to take injuries at point number four. OK, um, we need to stay healthy. Uh, we can't be losing guys at all these positions all over the place all year. And I think that's much more important this year than in previous years, because we have a lot less depth. I think at all, virtually every position on the team with the exception of, we don't know for sure who our tackles are going to be. And I'm not really satisfied with where the tight ends and receivers are at per se. Outside of that, I think you are really thrilled with your starters at every position on the team, especially across the defense. Um, And then (laughs) the second you have to let those starters catch a breather, you're concerned about who you're putting out there behind them. So, yeah. So to me, if, if you're if you're missing more than a couple starters across the roster, you can be in trouble really quick. And it's going to be on these young guys to really take a step and be better than they were last year, or in the case of these rookies, to come in and um, get up to speed really quickly and be good right away. See, I had something a little more specific when it came to injuries uh, as my uh, fourth one. So I am, I'm agreeing with you, but I got a little bit more specific in the way I pinpointed it. Okay. Uh, I, I said starting edge rushers and safeties must stay healthy. 
Starting edge rushers and safeties. That's a good one. Um, and, and, you know, obviously not a, not a new topic. We've talked about the thinness at those positions. But I guess think about some of the other positions across the roster at defensive tackle. If you lose one of your starters, even if it's Kenny Clark, it stinks. But you got enough guys that you go, okay, we can win some games while he's gone. For the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think we can say that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at linebacker, you lose one guy. Let's say you lose Devondre Campbell. Stinks for sure, but Chris Barnes was at one point in time our linebacker number one before Devondre got here. So if you have Quay Walker and Chris Barnes out there, you feel like you can win some games until Devondre gets back. Right. Um, so, uh, corner, you know, a lot of people are dogging the depth at corner, and I just don't get it. And, 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 you know, I, I just think that, like, and, and obviously Kevin King is out there still. We could bring him back. I think that would be a good move as long as he is not asking for another five million bucks like he was last time. <laughs> he won't get but it. Let's say, so he can let's ask say that he he's at like, at like two to three and a half at max. I, I think I'd be, I could live with that. But you got Shamar Jean Charles, you got Keyshawn Nixon, you got um, uh, Rasul Douglas, you know, out, those three guys behind your number one and your number two. I just think that people people are making a bigger deal about that depth, I think, because of how much they like the starters. Because I think you you are going to have really be hard-pressed to find another team in the league that has more than three really good corners. I think uh, – I, I don't think m- many teams have two really good corners. So I, yeah. the, the, the depth at corner – to me, is an overrated fear, but we'll we'll see how that shakes out over the year. Could could come to rue my words there. <laughs> I, the offensive line, I'll just say one thing with that. Yeah, we're, we don't we don't love like the top end talent for the offensive line, especially since, because two the two most talented guys are guys that you're not even sure are going to be able to play because of injury. Right. But after that, you have just this huge pile of kind of equitable talent interchangeable parts almost almost yeah yeah i think i think you could stand to lose a few guys out of that group and you know you don't you don't want to lose them and i'm not trying to downplay their contributions but how big of a gap is there between colvan lannon or uh royce newman and say zach top i'm not sure there's a huge gap no i would tend to agree with you and that's more or less why i singled out those two positions. I guess I could have added quarterback to that, but I think that one was so obvious. I didn't need to say right. it. Right. <laughs> but um, my concern is when you get behind Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, which to me is one of the better starting safety duos in the NFL. Mm-hmm, and when you mm-hmm. get behind, uh, you, you know, Preston and Rashawn. Yeah. Right. When you get behind Preston and Rashawn, there's a lot of question marks there. And if you lose any of those guys for an extended period of time, you know, if, if you get a Jair Alexander kind of an injury, like to, to one of those positions, I think we're in trouble. All right. So uh, I was looking to draft this. So I'm going to, my official wording on it is injuries can't derail the team again. And, and in particular, the starting edge rushers and safeties can't get hurt. Okay. Um, so that's how I'm going to word that one. And we are at the halfway point um, out of our eight. So pick number five to you. Pick number five to me. At least one of the four young receivers, and I'm going to say that's Amari Rogers and the three draft picks. At least mm-hmm. one of them has to uh, earn or Aaron Rodgers' trust before the season is over. So this is where I thought you might go with for pick number one. And then I was sure you were going to take it for pick three. Um, I, I think that the way I had worded this on my list was that Aaron Rodgers and the receivers need to have a good chemistry and work well together. Um, you're you're saying that you need at least one of the rookies to step up and have a good season, you're saying? Well, I, I, I'm not saying a good, like, okay. I'm not saying that when you go back and look at the statistics – One of them has to shine, but I'm saying when you get to December and hopefully January and maybe even February, Aaron Rodgers has to have enough trust in at least one of those young guys, whether it's 
Amari Rogers, you know, Dubs, Watson, Watson whoever it is, yeah. one of those guys has to be integrated into the offense enough that Rodgers trusts them enough that if it's third and six and that guy is open, he's willing to throw him the, the football to get the seven yards, you know, six, seven yards that he needs to keep the chains moving. Uh, otherwise, I'm just concerned that they're just the offense will sputter. Uh, so it doesn't have to be week one. It doesn't even have to be week 10, but once the weather starts getting colder and we get closer to playoff time, I want to make sure at least one of those guys has earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers. All right. I think number five on the list is a good spot for this one. Uh, I think this is right about the right value for it. And let me, um, do you recall last year in training camp? Um, there was a lot of concern about Eric Stokes. Do you recall this? That he, yeah. he looked really bad in training camp. Do you remember why specifically he looked really bad? In that? And something you and I talked about. Yeah. Uh, going on with him. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were, quote unquote, picking on him, uh, which, which <laughs> yes. was really, and he took it the right way. They weren't picking on him. They just recognized his they talent. Put him through the ringer. And, and, and right. And, and, you know, it was tough love. It was, we see how good this kid can be. We're going to try to make him better as quickly as we can. And so we're going to go after him. And to his credit, Eric Stokes took it the right way and, and did uh, develop and got pressed into duty uh, uh, sooner than the team anticipated and passed that test with flying colors. So, so, uh, so, so you know what's going on right now in in uh, minicamp? What uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jair Alexander are putting Christian Watson through the ringer. Right. And Jair is giving – I mean, he is pulling no punches. He is giving it all to Christian Watson. They are putting him through the ringer just like they did with Eric Stokes last year, and I love it. And you oh, get yeah. all these – all these quotes from the reporters talk not not quotes. I'm not trying to say they're putting their spin on, but they're just reporting what happened. Oh, uh, Christian Watson, you know, looked bad in this play because he did this, yada yada yada. He looks like trash out there, and I love it, dude. This is the perfect environment for him to just get absolutely smashed up and bullied uh, by the back-to-back MVP quarterback, one of the best corners in football. Because you're going to, um, when, when you get out there and you're playing real football, you're not very often going to um, have a Jair Alexander draped all over you. Uh, maybe a couple times a year. You'll and, and even looking at our schedule, I mean, the, the best corner we're playing this year is probably uh, Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're not playing the Falcons. We're not playing, uh, you know, the Bills or the, or the Ravens or these other teams who have really good corners, the Dolphins. I think by the time you get to Jalen Ramsey week, uh, Christian Watson is is going to have um, had plenty of opportunities to take the bumps and bruises that he accumulated from going up against Jair and uh, go beat up on a uh, Jalen Johnson or a Cam Dantzler, uh earlier in the season. And I, I, I just love this because, look, Eric Stokes played at Georgia. He was uh, part of that fearsome – uh, defense taking on some of the best offenses in the country, and little Christian Watson is from North Dakota State playing against FCS corners. Um, but he's also had an FCS quarterback who uh, I, I, I try not to bash players, but man, that quarterback was terrible. Um, well, it wasn't passes, a passing so. offense. That offense was designed primarily to run the football. Yeah, and, and part of that was because their quarterback was terrible. Well, I'm just okay. saying he's. <laughs> He's in a pro offense going up against a the, one of the best corners in football, and I love it. And I, I think that come week one, he is going to have learned a lot and, and really reshaped his skill set. I'm excited for that. I, I am too. Again, the caveat, and this is an important distinction to me, your cornerback in, in you know Eric Stokes from last year, he can do it on his own. He goes out there, he's you know, one-on-one against a receiver or playing as part of a zone, you know, he doesn't need anyone else to trust him to be effective. But a wide receiver needs to win the trust of his quarterback. If No matter how open he is, if 
the quarterback won't throw him the ball, he's not going to be effective for his team. And, you know, that's sort of the caveat. Rodgers has to buy in as well as Watson or Dubs or Amari Rodgers or Toure, you know, whoever it is, Rodgers has to buy in and trust that player in addition to him being open and getting the job done. Pick number six to me. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. No crippling weaknesses. We know exactly what that looks like. We know what I'm talking about. Uh, We know which phase of the ball in particular I'm scowling at. No crippling weaknesses for once. Please, for the love of God. Pick number six, or uh, pick number seven to you, Gil. This is your final pick of the draft. This is my final pick of the draft. And since we've agreed on so many things, there's not a heck of a lot I have left, to be honest with you. Uh, But I'm going to... I'm going to be a little more specific. We need to have a return specialist who is at least adequate. I'm not saying we need the second coming of Desmond Howard here, but I I just don't want our return game to kill us again. Uh, Catch the ball when you're supposed to catch the ball, get the yards you're supposed to get, and maybe, just maybe, break one at some point during the season. Uh, that that gives me a glimmer of hope. But it, it has been a while. What, what do we really have in the last five or six years? Half a season or four or five games of Tyler Irvin before he got mm-hmm. hurt? Uh, we need to establish a return specialist who we can at least trust and and who won't hurt this team. So, you know, I know you were referring to special teams with the last one, but I'm going to yeah. get a little more specific. <laughs> I think this definitely does fall under that. But um, to, to your point, we, we agreed on more of the points than I thought we were going to. Yeah, same um, here. <laughs> so I, I, I do have um, – I have two more I could do. But I, I'll go ahead and, and draft my, my the eighth and final thing right here. Mental toughness. This team needs to be mentally tough. There have been uh, too many times over the past few years where the team just doesn't show up. And I think that that starts with the quarterback and with the head coach. And there have been times where uh, on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense, it just, it looks too flat at times. And there have been nice moments at the ends of games where you get elite talent, um, you know, from Devante uh, or whoever to bail you out. And that, you know, you, you just have a little bit less of that this time around and the team needs to be better from top to bottom. And, you know, I don't like to call a team soft, but sometimes depending on the opponent, depending on uh, the situation there, the team gets complacent and you, you most, you most starkly can notice it quarter to quarter. All right. Picture what it's looked like the past few years. The first quarter is a Bismal. They come out, they're not really ready to play. They don't look like they practice very much. They need a whole 15 minutes of game clock time where we are uh, getting down a touchdown or two in order to just like warm up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, we did have a football game today that we needed to play. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't really like getting hit in the mouth. I think I'm going to, you know, maybe not uh, put the full effort into this route I'm running. Then by quarter two or quarter three, depending on the season, then the offense turns it on. The defense wakes up and, and really starts tamping things down. And then in by quarter number four, what happens? They pop her into neutral and just try and coast into the finish line. And if they win the game by a point, you know what? Maybe we were up three touchdowns early in the game, but as long as we win by a point, that's good enough. Heart attack pack, I can't take you anymore. I need you to be mentally tough. Just put the screws to these guys, uh, these opponents, and uh, just – Play hard for all four quarters and play hard for the whole season. You can't have a seven-game stretch where the defense is just kind of flat and listless. And uh, you can't have a a six-game stretch to start the season where the offense barely looks competent and you're relying on uh, two touchdowns that you scored in the second quarter to be enough to win you the entire game. And, hey, defense, can you please uh, be enough to save the day? Be mentally tough. Um, and, and a big part of that, I, you know, like I said, it starts with the head coach, it starts with the quarterback. And I think you notice it a ton 
in the offensive and defensive lines. This is where um, if, if a team looks soft, it usually starts in the trenches. Uh, you're getting pushed around by the opposing line. You're not able to block for your guy, or you're not able to stop the running back from doing whatever he wants. You're not able to get in there and collapse the pocket. And I, I like the guys we have at offensive and defensive line, and I'm hoping that that talent that we have on paper translates to what we see on the field. Because too many times over the last few years, we have not gotten good enough results from what is, is really a special roster. And I think top to bottom, uh, there you could make a pretty good case that we have the most talent we've ever had on the team right now um, and, and, and in the most places. But it doesn't matter if you don't show up and, and give it 110% you know, for, for the whole season. So if I were to sum up everything you just said in one word, would that be consistency? Uh, you know what? Consistency is certainly a big part of it. Um, and, and, and no question consistency has been a big problem for the Packers. Um, but, but I think that consistency has to also come along with that mental toughness to where you're not getting pushed around. You're not phoning it in for, um, you know, okay, we're, we're going to go out to California or down to Florida and, oh, it's hot. And I was on the beach last night and I had a couple <laughs> drinks. And so I'm not really going to play very hard. You could put that in consistency, but I think that consistency doesn't sum up that image. Okay. Um, which is something we have seen from the Packers. But yeah, uh, mental, I'll, I, I will word this point as mental toughness and consistency. Okay. I like that. And and I don't disagree. I think you're spot on with that. And a, a lot of fans have been frustrated by the lack of mental toughness and consistency over the years. And uh, maybe I want to add one little factor to it if we're going to finalize this last one. We need to play better in the clutch. We need to be better in, mm. in big games. You know, when, when the stakes are higher, the one thing, you know, Matt LaFleur has won 13 games in each of his three years as coach, and yet he has a losing record in the postseason. Uh, yeah. Two and three, not like a terrible record, but, but you know, hasn't come up big in the postseason. And I think that that sort of rising to the occasion clutch aspect of it also needs to be included in that description all right well there you have it those are uh, our eight points that we think this is what needs to happen if the Packers want to win a Super Bowl this year and hopefully they will do better on this list than they have the last couple of years with our lists um, and uh, so I think we said they went uh, four and three on our list last year of seven items year before one two three four five five items and they accomplished one of those five. Wow. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dreadful. Right. Dreadful. Now uh, the, you know, the, the team I think in 2020 was the best um, you know, of that stretch. We'll see what happens in 2022, but still uh, no question that we, we keyed in on some, some uh, big line items uh, early in the year that ended up being a big deal. Uh, toward the season. So uh, I, we have eight things here. I think that you need to accomplish at least five of them, uh, but preferably six. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's got to be the right six. I think um, I was just about to say that it's got to be the right ones. Because, I, you know, I think that uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers could regress or maybe the consistency is still an issue or maybe you still have you don't have a, a, a great return specialist. Some of those things might be OK. But then right. say, you know, the, the injuries, I mean, that if you get the injuries wrong, you know, that might might be the, be the uh, difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, honestly. And then offensive line, I, I think that that's another one that you can't really fudge on um, and still try and win a Super Bowl. So there you have it, folks. Um, Gil, how do you feel about our, our total list? I like it. I, I think we, we did a, a solid job of representing the – the issues at hand, the challenges this team is going to face heading into 2022. All right. Well, we want to hear from you guys. So uh, that's going to be it for us today. But we'll be right back here next week. And send some messages to us. Let us know what you think about our list. If there's something big that we missed or uh, if you think we're crazy, uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Lakey. You can try the text at 231-714-4195. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Packers.